This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. Yes, it is the final Hot Stove Report before reporting down to Arizona. Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, and number 16, Mike Flowers is in the house. Flower power, man. I, it feels good to see you again. It's good to be seen. <laughs> it really is. I'm doing good. How about you? Doing very well. Doing you very look well. fantastic. I do? Yeah. You really mean that? I do. I can mm. tell that that off-season workout program that you've been texting me about, it's paying off. So, Gary, did, so I, Blo and I, I don't even know how this came up. We, it was like the last week or two weeks of the season. A lot of hours in a plane, man. Yeah. And I, I don't know if like I was looking at Tom Murphy or something, who will be a guest on the show tonight, by the way. He's coming up in the next segment. And I was like, Blow, I'm I'm putting on 20 pounds of muscle this offseason. Yeah. <laughs> and Blow's like, I think I, I think I first started, I think I started with, I must have had a lot of iced teas because I think I started off with 30. I think you did. You did. <laughs> you did. That is absolutely true. Ah, there it is. Gary, nice beard, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, and then we somehow talked me off the ledge to 20, and then Blow was like, listen, man, you, you put on 20, and I'll lose 20. And I'm like, iron sharpens iron, man. This is it <laughs> right here, right? Like, yeah. we will be the ones who roll into Peoria in the best shape of our lives. Oh, I'm failing miserably. <laughs> and I text Blow. <laughs> like I'm gonna say it was like eleven days into the off season. Yeah, I literally right. I literally texted him like from a mat at the gym, right? I'm like, oh, bro, just at the gym, exhausted, put on two pounds. And he gave me a lot of like LOLs, right? And then my wonderful wife uh had our third child. <laughs> and then uh our whole life ended. So <laughs> I got plus two. I haven't checked in recently. Uh-huh. Um, if I'm plus any more than that, it's like not the good way. So like, can we start it over? Like, can we start this maybe come like opening day? Like, I, I hope so. Okay. I want to have not reported yet. There's still time. There is still time. There's still time. All right. There's apparently plenty of time for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this is the, I mean, I've, this is, you know, the baseball season is a funny thing because we see each other, uh, in this case, Gary Blow and myself, we see each other more than we see our children and our wives during the baseball season. And then the season ends, and then Mike gets in his truck and he drives to his cave, and <laughs> where the cave has no cell service. Actually, it's funny because it has cell service for his family, but not for Mike. Uh-huh. I don't know why our, his calls to him don't ever go through. Uh-huh. And so this is my first time seeing Blow since uh, the final out of the season. We'll be seeing a lot of each other uh, coming up shortly. But it is generally good to see you, man. And you, you look great as well, and I'm glad you. everything's going well for you too. Thank you. You don't take it personally, do you? Because at this point, <laughs> you think, know. Can, honestly, I think we all know, I think right? the first winter, I was like, man, I thought Blow and I had like something going. Yeah, and you're going over to Rick's <laughs> house. And, <laughs> yeah. And then I realized... Hey, well, Blow's not at these get-togethers either. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just—I think each year he just throws his cell phone into the trash and gets a new one, uh-huh. like the first day of spring training or That's something. That's about right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, we do have a terrific show. Gary's done a great job putting together some fantastic guests in the first hour. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear from Tom Murphy, who, when you go back and you think about last year. Tom Murphy might not be, in fact, he probably isn't the first name that comes to your mind from the 2019 season for the Mariners, but he was a really pleasant surprise and will have a major role once again for the Mariners in 2020. Tim Laker, Mariners hitting coach, will be with us. 
We're going to get a little nerdy with Andrew Simon, who is a researcher and writer for MLB.com. He has a large bend towards StatCast, so that'll be good stuff at the end of the first hour. Shannon Dreyer joins us on the phone in the second hour. I think Shannon's been down for like a month. Yeah. Sound about right? I think she went uh, uh, after we did the show two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like uh-huh. New Year's Day she went down to Peoria. <laughs> so we'll, we'll hear from uh, Shannon. Also, uh, Joe Doyle, who is a contributor for Baseball America, also Lookout Landing, just wrote a really interesting piece on J.P. Crawford and his expectations uh, for J.P. He has some uh, statistical analysis that would uh, make you believe that uh, J.P.'s in line for a really good season. And it sounds like we'll also hear from Art Warren at the Art back Warren. end, our Warren, and the back end of the show as well. Uh, so a lot of good stuff coming our way tonight on the final hot stove. Uh, position players reported yesterday. The first game of springtime is on Saturday, and then opening day, of course, March twenty sixth versus the Texas Rangers. Gary, so uh, the clock is now ticking on the season. Yeah, starting to think about it. Uh, Technically, this probably shouldn't be a hot stove, right? Since everyone's reported now, we're officially into spring training. Hot so, stove is kind of the opposite. So, is this the, show. is this the Cactus League report? It should be the Cactus League report. Okay, I understand that. But, you know. Yeah, I'm with you. Just technically. Sure. Technicalities. Uh, you know, Blow, when you start thinking about this time of the year, I mean, this is uh, for a lot of players who will be coming to spring training this year, and this is a chance to earn a job and some really significant playing time and to try to be a part of the future for the Mariners. I mean, this is going to be a really interesting spring training in terms of uh, seeing a lot of guys that maybe we saw a little bit of last year and some guys that we didn't see at all last year in the majors. I think that for myself, when we get to camp and we watch them um, run out there and start playing games, for me, you mentioned the young guys. There's going to be a lot of them. A lot of them will be on this club. But we're also going to get a little bit of a peek into some of the guys that have taken a step or two closer to the major leagues also um, and get a chance to see them and what their progress has been and what they have done over the winter uh, to improve. So I think that there's a lot that's going to be going on throughout spring training. Um, I'm not so sure, outside of maybe the bullpen, that there are a lot of jobs to mm-hmm. win. Um but still, it's going to be fun to watch a lot of these young players get an opportunity and see what they're able to do with it. We'll have a lot of chances to see that in spring training and also throughout the course of the season. One of the guys who uh, we got to know very well last year, Tom Murphy, Mariners catcher, he joins us next on the Hot Stove Show. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. The 0-1 to Murphy. Swing and a well-hit ball deep to left field. Going and going and goodbye baseball. Tom Murphy with his second home run of the night. His 15th of the year. Holy smokes, what a run for Tom Murphy. This one is way out of here. The Mariners now lead the Rays by a score of 9-1. to Tom Murphy has been something. Well, we heard a lot of that last year about Mariners catcher Tom Murphy. Welcome back inside the Hot Stove Show. Aaron Goldsmith, Gary Hill, and Mike Blowers. Tom, it is great to visit with you. Uh, first of all, how are things? How, how are the early days of Arizona treating you? I can't complain, that's for sure, uh, especially coming from upstate New York in the off season. Uh, it's always nice coming down here and getting things rolling outside here in this nice weather. Now, I, I do have to ask, I'm always curious about guys who train in cold weather climates. Oh, what is your training situation? How do you manage the weather and still get ready for springtime in New York? 
So luckily I have uh, access to an indoor facility that's uh, kind of uses like a soccer facility slash baseball facility uh, that's like very large, uh, very open. So uh, there's a few batting cages in there, an iron mic and stuff. So I, I just stick to indoors and everything I need is right there inside that facility. How do you go about your routine and how have you adjusted it the past few years, your off-season routine? Um, yeah, I haven't adjusted too much, honestly. I, I always, um, actually, I, I guess the base adjustment I, I have made throughout the years is just maintaining, uh, hitting off velocity, uh, making sure that I'm always ready to hit uh, fastballs off of machines and stuff like that. Just always seeing the, you know, the, the faster speeds coming at me. Um, I feel like that's something I, I have adjusted over time, whereas early on in my career, maybe I would have just done flips and regular BP and that sort of thing in the off season. But uh, I've learned that uh, being ready to hit a fastball is probably about as important as anything. So that's a, that's a big one. That's a big one for me. Tom, with, with all the changes that are going to happen with the club this year and everything that you guys went through last year, and I know as far as the catching part of it, having to get to know a lot of different pitchers when you kind of think about the bullpen and everybody that was involved in it, we talk about it all the time, just how difficult that can be. How difficult is it for you when you start thinking about the amount of guys that you have to learn and get to know and what their strengths are and, and how they want to pitch to people in certain situations? Yeah, there's definitely a challenge there. Um, you know, no doubt that more the more time you're able to spend with the pitcher, the better relationship you're going to have with them both on and off the field. Um, you know, so that, that always comes into play pretty quickly. But at the same time, um, it also makes you work a little bit harder. You know, you, you want to gain those uh, new pitchers' trust as quickly as you can. So you're going to do everything you can to make sure that, that happens smoothly and quickly and that they can trust you out there on the field. We're visiting with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy here on the Hot Stove Show. Now, Tom, it's really interesting where you are today versus where you were, let's call it, a year ago. You know, the Mariners uh, acquire you kind of at the 11th hour last year. They had Omar Narvaez here. It was a really good platoon that you two set, had set up. And then as the season went on, we saw more and more Tom Murphy, and your production continued to increase as the season went along. And lo and behold, I mean, you go into this year with what would appear to be an even larger role. Omar has been traded to Milwaukee, of course. What has just the last year been like for you professionally? And obviously this is you couldn't have really scripted your time in Seattle any better than what the first season has gone. Yeah, um, no, last year, you know, compared to right where I'm at right now is, is a complete 180. I was kind of sitting in a, in a spring training last year, you know, almost knowing your fate, uh, knowing that there wasn't much you could do. Uh, the, the decision was already made uh, to be DFA'd and that sort of thing, and then to be traded to San Francisco and then up to Seattle a couple of days later, um, and then just kind of solidify myself towards the end of the year that, you know, I was ready for a larger role or at least uh, another shot. And, um, you know, to come into camp here and be the number one guy after this offseason, uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable what a year can do in your career. And, uh, you know, that, that persistent pays off for sure. What was the key for you last year offensively? Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of things. It was, uh, you know, an opportunity to fail. Uh, it was an opportunity to go out and learn, you know, how to hit in the big leagues, how to deal with all the different pressure and all the different uh, atmospheres and that sort of thing. 
Uh, and then he goes to the coaching as well. I came over here and um, immediately hit it off with Tim Laker and Jared Hart. And, and those guys really drove me to be a better hitter overall, for sure, um, on both sides, you know, the physical side and the, the mental approach side, and, uh, having a game plan side. I mean, those guys are, are lights out. They're as good as it gets. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely thankful for all the time and effort they spent with me last year, for sure. I know when I was talking to Scott throughout the season last year, he talked about, um, Tom, you getting to the ballpark early and preparing yourself when you were in the lineup on a given day or even when you guys just had a new series that was starting in the, as a collective group of catchers and pitchers getting together um, and going over scouting reports. Uh, what were some of the things that you learned from that last year? And you mentioned it coming into camp this year. Um, a year has made a huge difference for you. Where do you anticipate your role being in those meetings this year? Yeah, for me, uh, the preparation is everything. It's, uh, you know, kind of going into a major league game without a plan is, is not a good feeling at all. It's, you're completely vulnerable. There's, it's, it's obvious that you didn't prepare. Um, and that's never a situation I want to find myself in. So I put as much time and effort, um, going into the new series as anything just to, just to figure out the other team and figure out what we want to do. Uh, because at the end of the day, that, uh, that primary plan that you're going into the game with is is everything. You know, it's a, it's exactly where you're basing all your decisions off of. Uh, so without you know adequate preparation there, it's 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 not smart for your career. That's for sure. It's nice to be visiting with Mariners catcher Tom Murphy here on the hot stove. All right, Tom, let's um let's focus on three categories. Let's go deadlift, <laughs> squats, <laughs> and bench. You versus Alta Villa. Who's, uh, who's going to take each category? Uh, he's probably got me in the squats and the bench. Definitely the bench for sure. I don't bench too much, but uh, I might have him in the deadlift. That's usually been my lift uh, historically, but Danny's an absolute animal, so he might have me in all three, honestly. <laughs> it's funny because the deadlift is my lift as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knew we had so much in common, Tom? I, I, I am really curious about your actual workout routine and your diet. I mean, I think everybody can tell if they're watching the game on television or if they come out to T-Mobile Park and watch it in person. I mean, everybody can tell that you're a put-together guy, but it's not until you might be, like, shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder with you, like we have the chance to be on a basically daily basis when, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, you are – as uh, put together as anybody in the big leagues, you obviously spend so much time and effort on this. I, I'm curious uh, what your diet is like, how rigorous that is, and just what your actual training schedule is like. Not so much uh, with the actual baseball side of things, but more on the fitness side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I went to college at the University of Buffalo, and uh, the freshman class coming in was uh, all as obsessed with the weight room as I was. So we really kind of took that to heart. Uh, it kind of became our sanctuary of sorts. And, um, you know, that kind of trickled into pro ball as well as a couple of us got drafted. And, um, you know, we continued our efforts to try and become as physically good as we could, uh, at least increase the engine enough to where we felt like we were going to maximize our potential. Uh, so we <clears throat> kind of read everything we could possibly get our hands on. Um, you know, a lot of Eastern European texts, um, kind of infamous sports scientists from uh, Russia and those sort of areas, east of Bulgaria. Um, 
and I, we just kind of made our own made our own thing. Um, you know, my best friend and I still talk every day in the off season about training and where we want to go with it, and uh, trying to improve upon it from last year. And uh, yeah, we, I mean, we we've done our research, that's for sure, and you know, we try to optimize, like I said, everything we can. Uh, and the same goes for diet. I mean, it's it's generally pretty simple with the diet. It's just uh, just I mean, if it's good for me, I'm going to eat it. If it's not, I don't. Um, and that is pretty planned. It's pretty simple and pretty boring, but uh, it works. So during the course of the regular season, catching is obviously a very demanding position. How do you balance uh, your body getting beat up at the position and your fitness routine? Uh, what I've noticed is that they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, they're not opposing each other. So the more that I keep up on my fitness routine, the less that the game feels like it's wearing on me at all. Um, and really, at the end of the season, I feel almost as good as the start of the season. Obviously, you're a little banged up, but that's not because of lack of uh, physical preparation. That's usually stuff that's uh, foul balls, that sort of thing, and just bruises that haven't healed up or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I think when I stay on top of, uh, top of it, it's it's when I feel my best. So, First of all, Bulgaria does not typically get a lot of love on this program. <laughs> so I think that needs to be, for the good people of Bulgaria, they appreciate the drop. Uh, I, I, I do... I do want to know, I know you mentioned a very simplistic approach to dieting, which I think a lot of people driving around right now are saying, that's not working for me. <laughs> but I need I need to know, Tom, on a cheat day, okay, like you're going to give yourself a day, you're just going to go nuts, right? Nobody's watching. You can order anything you want. What's what's the cheat day diet for Tom Murphy? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's like uh, ice cream, cookie dough, pizza, all the usuals. I, there's no doubt. I love it. It's uh, on those cheat days. I definitely blow it out, and they don't have to do it. <laughs> when they do, it's it's pretty nasty. <laughs> now, now, does that mean cookie dough ice cream, or are you buying like a roll of cookie dough? <laughs> well, yeah, no, both. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tom, man, uh, we really enjoyed watching you play last year. We are excited for, as you mentioned earlier, an, an even uh, further expanded role for you with this ball club in 2020. Uh, you you are somebody that uh, the fans really enjoy watching play. Your peers speak very highly of you, and uh, it's been a real treat to be able to talk a little bit with you uh, here tonight, especially as your, uh, your working season has officially started. So we appreciate you hopping on the hot stove with us this evening. Of course. Thank you for having me, and uh, appreciate all the kind words. That's very nice of you. You got it, Tom. We'll see you shortly. There is a uh, Mariners catcher, Tom Murphy. I guess I, I should have talked with him before the whole like let's gain twenty pounds this winter thing happened, right? A trip to Bulgaria for you <laughs> would have been great. No, I blame I blame my friends who have not nearly as in depth Eastern European strength training knowledge as his friends. I I love how humble. You know what he slipped in? Yeah, I don't bench very much. I've seen him work out. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Him not benching very much is like I can only bench a small automobile. I'm, right. I'm confident in saying this. I see him 
when we're on the road and we have the facilities to work out at the hotel, and he'll mm-hmm. show up to the gym every yeah. morning. And I would say this, that the backpack, the military-sized backpack <laughs> that he's carrying around, Aaron could not lift off the floor. <laughs> I, feel, I feel confident in saying that. But, Blow, with your help by the All-Star break, I'm getting that chest high. <laughs> it's happening? Yeah. Okay. You're going you're gonna to be right there for me. Well, hey, spring training uh, is uh, almost finally here. First game was, of course, on Saturday. That means opening day T-Mobile Park is right around the corner. And to celebrate, we're offering a can't-miss flash sale until Sunday at midnight. You can score $20 view-level tickets for opening day against the Rangers. Use the promo code OPENER at Mariners.com. When we come back, we're joined by Mariners hitting coach Tim Laker after this. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Happy as always to have you with us for the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith, Mike Flowers, and Gary Hill as our phone line to Peoria continues. We just talked with Tom Murphy, Mariners catcher, and now talking things over with Mariners hitting coach Tim Laker. Tim, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us on the Hot Stove tonight. Uh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, things are really starting to heat up, obviously, uh, there in Peoria. I'm curious, what is the off season like for a big league hitting coach? Uh, it's kind of boring, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of couch time, a lot of uh, binge-watching TV uh, on Netflix with my wife, uh, <laughs> playing with my dog, occasionally getting out to do some golfing. Uh, that's about it. You know, it's sent home all day, and, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, most of my friends have jobs, and so on, <laughs> no one's available to do anything in a day. So, you know, <laughs> it's a little boring. Well, I, th- I think we are curious. I mean, what what Netflix shows did we plow through this winter? Anything that really that you would really recommend? I'll be honest with you, me. I, I'm a big fan of the show Survivor, um, and so I kind of turned my wife onto it, and I've watched most of them. But my wife kind of just turned her onto it. She really liked it. So if you go on Amazon Prime Video, they have every season of Survivor. Uh, from the last 20 years on there, and we've probably watched 20 of them this offseason. So. What? <laughs> yeah. Is this something you want to do? Like a, yeah, would you do Survivor? That's my go-to. Would, would uh, you pre- uh, in my, when I was younger, I don't think I'm up for it anymore. So, Well, yeah, I don't, think I, could, I, I don't think I could take it. Well, Tim, the next question that is logical to ask here is of everyone on the team, and you can include coaches in this if you like, who – would most likely win Survivor? Wow. That's a tough question because, you know what, it's not so much about like being able to survive like with, uh, you know, small rations of food. You actually have to, like, get along with people, too. So, I mean, you have to have a combination of some, you know, some toughness, a little bit of athleticism to win some challenges. But then you gotta you got to be a people person, too. You know, if you're you're kind of a, a schmuck on the show, you're one of the first ones to go. All right, so, so. blows out. He's going to have to get the first week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so, well, all right, I'll give you a – I put you on the spot there. I'll, I'll let you think it over. But at some point, Tim, we're going to – you need to, you need to figure out who's winning Survivor in the Mariners pool, okay? We're very curious Okay, okay. You can say yourself, too. I mean – that's fine. No, no, no. You, you know what? Uh, the first person that comes to mind is Nola. Oh, yeah. I, I don't know why. I just, you know, because he's, you know, I don't know. He just seems like he's uh, easygoing. I don't think he'd ruffle any feathers. He gets along with everybody. Super nice guy. 
So I think I, I think he'd be my pick. I like that's a great call. That's a great call. It is a great call. And I we agree. trust your judgment, yeah. given the fact that you've devoted about ten thousand hours expert. watching the show <laughs> over the last three months. There you go. Well, how is this spring different than last spring for you? You know what? Uh, God, it's just uh, it's a youth fest. You know, we just got a lot of really young guys here, uh, lots of talent. Um, but you know, there's there's really only. I mean, we don't have any any veterans, you know, or, or very few, you know, I mean, you kind of Kyle Seeger, you know, he's, you know, he's probably the oldest one we got here. You know, last year we had guys like Encarnacion and Jay Bruce, some, some older guys with, you know, a lot of experience. And, uh, you know, this year it's, it's pretty, it's a, it's a really young group. So I'd say that was kind of like the biggest thing so far that just kind of just jumps out at you. One of the things that I, I thought about when I was driving into the uh, station here today, Tim, was Evan White. I mean, you talk about this young man in the minor leagues. Um, obviously, he ended up getting his contract this winter. Uh, when you talk to him and your conversations with him, and I assume that you haven't had a chance to see a lot of them other than spring training last year, um, what will that be about, and how do you take some of the pressure off of that young man? Uh, you know, I think he's a pretty level-headed guy. Um, he's, You know, he, he, when you look at, like, just his, his batted ball profile – this kid hits the hard. It hits the ball really hard, um, as hard as anybody, and it's and it's consistent. So it's, you know, it's just trying to like, you know, not let him get overwhelmed, try and do too much, um, and just kind of just go out there and, and relax, be comfortable, and be yourself. When you talk about the young guys in general, not just Evan, but all these young guys that you're going to deal with, and you basically are getting a crash course at the major league level, what is I guess the number one thing on your plate when you're dealing with the young guys. Yeah, you know, like I said, just kind of for, for me, like a lot of these guys, I haven't had a chance to to be around them much, and it's just you know kind of building a building a relationship, um, you know, building trust with these guys, uh, finding out what they do good, kind of what makes them tick, and and just go off of that. So early on for me, it's it's just more of just sitting back and kind of. Like I said, just watching, finding out what they do good, kind of digging into the numbers a little bit. You know, we've been doing that, kind of just what stands out. What do these guys do really good, and where are those little those little areas uh, where we can find a little bit more? Tim Laker is our guest, Mariners hitting coach. Tim, speaking in kind of generalities here, because not everybody's the same, but generally speaking, where is the biggest off-season of growth? Is it from – your first to your second year in the big leagues, your second to your third year, where is it you see that guys typically make the biggest leap of progression as a hitter? You know, I, I, th- I think it would probably, for me, I would, I would think it'd be kind of after that, that first year. You know, I think that first year at times can be a little bit overwhelming. You're not really sure um, what to expect. You, you get up there and you, you really see how good big league ball players are. You kind of see, uh, you know, the work that, that the really good ones put in, the dedication. Um, and so I think the first year, like, you you know, it, it's a, there's a lot of learning. Um, and I think once you kind of see that, you get your feet wet, you get comfortable. Um, I, I think the second year is the, the year for growth for me. So speaking of growth, we saw a lot of growth from Tom Murphy last year. We just had a chance to catch up with Tom, and he talked about kind of the biggest advancements he made and mentioned you here's what he had to say about you and how much you helped him it was a lot of things it was uh you know an opportunity to fail 
Uh, it was an opportunity to go out and learn you know, how to hit in the big leagues, how to deal with all the different pressure and all the different uh, atmospheres and that sort of thing. Uh, and then he goes to the coaching as well. I came over here and immediately hit it off with Tim Laker and Jared Hart. And, and those guys really drove me to be a better hitter overall, for sure, um, on both sides, you know, the physical side and the, the mental approach side, uh, having a game plan side. I mean, those guys are, are lights out. They're as good as it gets. And, uh, you know, I'm definitely thankful for all the time and effort they spent with me last year, for sure. So when you hear that and you saw what kind of year that Tom Murphy had, I mean, how satisfying is that to hear? You know, it, it's, it's kind of what you shoot for as a coach. You know, as a coach just getting into it, um, I just look back when I was a player and there was, there was a few coaches that I felt like just kind of really helped me along the way. You know, that you, you know, I kind of look, look back and almost look at them as like a, a father figure, um, in a sense and really felt like I wouldn't have ever gotten to where I got to without their help. And, and as a coach, you, you just kind of want to pay that back, you know, and, and there's nothing more rewarding than seeing a guy that, you know, like that, um, just have success and, and kind of just turn into the player that they all thought they could be. So, you know, to, to give him a lot of credit, he is probably the hardest working guy we have. So it's, it's no shortage of hard work on his part. You know, we were, myself and, uh, Jared were, you know, just a small part of that. So a lot of credit to him too, for just the work he put in. Now, Tim, uh, even though we, might not see either of these guys in the big leagues this year, especially one of them. There's certainly plenty of buzz, not only in Seattle and the Northwest, but throughout the entire uh, baseball community about Julio Rodriguez and Jared Kelnick. Uh, we knew the type of talent that they had going into last year. They did nothing but really make people look like they're even better than what they were thought to be. I'm curious whether it be the time that they were in some uh, Cactus League games last year or any early time this year, what has your experience been like working with either one of those young men? You know what, the, the, the thing that jumps out at me is, is both of them, um, the two of them just exude confidence. I mean, these guys really, they're, they're not intimidated um, being up here. And, and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's not like they're you know, really cocky and rubbing people around. They, they, they just feel like they belong. You know, they don't feel like they're that far away. Um, and they don't feel like overwhelmed by the situation. And, and for two guys as young as that, that's like really impressive to me. I mean, that, that's, that's not something that you can put on them, right? They come, they just, a player just comes wired that way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that's probably how Ken Griffey was his first uh, big league spring training. You know, that's, I mean, I just feel like those guys, like, it's not, you know, a lot of young guys are like hoping they get to the big leagues. These, these two guys, like, they know they're getting to the big leagues and it's just like for them, like, when, when's it going to happen? You know, and, and they know that they, you know, they're going to get there and they know that when they get there, they're, they belong, you know. How valuable is spring for you when you get to take a look at, a lot of young guys who probably won't end up making the roster, but you get a chance to see them in person. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's great. I mean, I, I love seeing like the, the young talent. Like, like I said, you know, we're young, but like that locker room's filled with talent. You know, from from the guys, you know, on offense and some of the arms. You know, we've seen in spring training just in bullpens. We started some live VPs today. Um, there, there's there's a lot of really young guys to to get excited about. 
Oh, a couple of final thoughts here with hitting coach Tim Laker. Tim, I am curious. You you mentioned uh, early on in our conversation something that I think most Mariners fans know, right? It's young players are on a ton of veterans on uh, the hitting side of things. Mitch Hanniger would be one of those guys. But I'm curious, when you have a clubhouse that is as young as the Mariners will be, how does that change what you have to do as a coach in terms of a teaching, not so much the here's what you do when you see a curveball, which you have to do that no matter what, but just in terms of a routine, a day-to-day, kind of the arm around the shoulder, is that something that as a coach you pick up some of that slack, or does that have to come from in the clubhouse? No, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, there's there's some guys, you know, we have a few guys that have, like, incredible work habits. You know, you look at, um, you know, a guy, just a couple guys in particular, like, uh, Aaron, you know, Austin Nola and, and Tom Murphy, like, these guys, they they do it right, you know. Um, you know, they, you look to guys like that to kind of pick up some of that slack. Kyle Seager, another guy, works really hard, um, real professional. Um, and, you know, you there's enough of them around, I think, to see, to see like what those guys are doing, um, you know, and kind of, kind of get a base, um, of that foundation, you know, of what their, what their work habits should look like. Um, you know, and, and then, yeah, there's going to be a, you know, a little nudge here and there from, from the coaching staff to, you know, point and point them in the right direction. Um, but I, I think, you know, that we really do a good job of that in the minor league system, kind of just talking about just being prepared and putting in the work, um, and so a lot of these guys already come with that already in their whole in their in their package. Well, Tim, we appreciate you carving out some time for us, um, and we are looking forward to seeing you in person not too long from now down in Peoria. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you guys soon. That's Mariners hitting coach Tim Laker, kind enough to join us tonight on the Hot Stove Show. Well, hey, baseball returns to beautiful T-Mobile Park opening day Thursday, March twenty sixth. Mariners. Make the 2020 debut against the Texas Rangers. We hope you can be on hand. Team introductions, fireworks, good times as always. To welcome back baseball to Seattle, great seats remain by going to Mariners.com. Well, the first hour of the hot stove is off and running. When we come back, we'll be joined by Andrew Simon, who is a researcher and writer for MLB.com. He has a, a pretty serious focus on StatCast. We'll be uh, talking some defensive metrics, among other things, with Andrew Simon right after this. Back to more of the hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome back inside the hot stove, Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill, as we welcome to the program a new guest. Happy to have him, Andrew Simon. You probably have read his work on MLB.com. You've probably seen him on Twitter. He is a researcher and writer for MLB.com with, let's just say, a bend towards the StatCast side of things. Andrew, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us tonight on the Hot Stove. Of course. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, first of all, for those who maybe aren't as familiar with your work or the just in- incredible resource that uh, BaseballSavant.com has turned into, it's the essentially the official StatCast database that is uh, publicly available uh, via MLB.com. Uh, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about uh, – what you and the team that you work with, the, the type of publications that you guys put out, what you're looking into on a daily basis, and uh, what it is that the type of content that you're churning, because it's 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 pretty fantastic. It's a wonderful resource. Oh well, thanks for saying that. Um, 
Yeah, so uh, as many people probably know, we've had um, the Stackhouse technology in every ballpark going back to 2015, tracking, you know, everything that goes onto the field. Um, you know, if you're watching games on TV, you're seeing, you know, the pitch velocities, the exit velocities off the bat, the speeds of the runner, um, and all of those types of things. So uh, what we're doing is taking a lot of the data that uh, comes in and, uh, you know, looking at um, Baseball Savant, where a lot of that data goes and is uh, presented wonderfully by Darren Willman. And uh, we're analyzing that and, and trying to, you know, look under the surface a little bit to trends that are happening, um, you know, players that are maybe, uh, you know, over or underperforming, just trying to glean some, some insights from this new data we have that's maybe um, a little more telling than just the surface level results. So something that's just unveiled, outs above average, a, a defensive metric, Give us just kind of a general sense of what outs above average means. Yeah, so outs above average is uh, the StatCast defensive metric. Um, if anyone is familiar with things like defensive runs saved or ultimate zone rating, those are other um, advanced defensive metrics that have been around for a while. So outs above average is kind of uh, the StatCast version of those, but um, it, it, go, it goes a little bit deeper because, um, you know, it's using um, the great uh, trove of data that we have from StatCast. So um, the outfield version of outs above, uh, outs above Average has been around for a few years now, and that's basically a metric that's measuring the range of the outfielders in terms of how many plays they're making or not making and giving them credit um, for how far they had to go to catch a fly ball, how much time they had to get there, um, as well as some other factors. So we've been tracking that since 2016. And then just this offseason, we introduced um, an infield version of outs above average. And uh, what's that, what that's doing is basically breaking down every play and saying, okay, how, mu- how far did the fielder responsible for the play have to go to get to the ball? How much time did he have to go to get there? And then factoring in also the speed of the base runner to say, okay, how often would an average fielder make that play? And then using that to judge um, that fielder's performance. How close do you think are we at this point in, I guess, confidence level comparing offensive numbers to defensive numbers? When we look at somebody's defensive numbers, how confident are we at this point? Um, well, I think there's still a long ways to go when it comes to defensive numbers. Um, you know, I think while I wouldn't say we know everything there is to know about measuring offense, um, I think we can be pretty confident, uh, you know, that when we look at offensive numbers, um, we're measuring those pretty accurately. Um, it's just a much, much bigger challenge when it comes to defense, because, you know, there are so many variables um, in the works on, on any given play, Um, just having to decide, you know, which, which fielders are responsible and all the factors that go into deciding um, how great a chance they have to make the play. So, um, 
you know, Stackhouse has been around since 2015, and some of these metrics we're talking about are even more recent than that. So this is still sort of in its infancy of trying to figure out how to use that data to um, make the best judgments possible. And I think we're making some great strides with that. Um, but it's a continual learning process, and I'm pretty excited to see what all the smart people we have working on this stuff uh, keep coming up with. Andrew Simon is our guest. He's a researcher and writer for MLB.com with a pretty serious focus on StatCast data. Andrew, I'm curious to get your thoughts on a quote that I read just the other day from a former MVP, Josh Donaldson, now with the Twins. I I thought this was absolutely dynamite, and I put it in my hip pocket. He was asked how he knows when he's getting locked in for the season, right? Because we, we've historically asked, well, how many at-bats do you need in spring training to get ready for opening day, to get ready for the regular season? And Donaldson, who's a pretty uh, advanced guy when it comes to talking about hitting, he said that he looks at three things. He looks at his chase percentage, his barrel rate, and what his exit velocity is. And that when those things are all check, 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 even if right, even if he's one for fifty, he knows that he's in the right lane. And when I read that, you know, it's it's one thing for us as observers of the game in your position or in our position to be looking at that type of data as a way to kind of explain it to our eyes. But it's a whole other thing, right, when a premier player in the game is adopting this type of data and technology and making it a major focal point in their preparation and how they judge themselves. I mean, that must make you and the people who you work alongside with at MLB.com and who are putting the information into StatCast, I mean, this must completely validate everything that you guys write and research on a daily basis. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, um, like you said, uh, you know, we um, take a lot of pride in the analysis that we're able to do, but, um, you know, it's also we recognize that it's not the same as, you know, the players who are out there playing the game, Um and when somebody with, you know, the stature of a Josh Donaldson or, or a J.D. Martinez, guys like that, have, um, you know, buy into some of these concepts, um, that's, that's obviously huge. And those guys are, you know, preaching that um, in the clubhouse, talking to other players. I believe I was reading something the other day um, about Josh Donaldson talking to a group of, you know, twins prospects. Um, you know, getting that uh, next generation sort of uh, indoctrinated. And, and Donaldson's been one of the guys, I think, from sort of the very beginning um, of kind of this revolution who's, who's been on the cutting edge um, in terms of working with his swing and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think more and more we're seeing players um, see the results that uh, being able to understand these concepts can have, and uh, that just you know keeps pushing it forward. For those not as familiar with baseball savant, blue dots means poor, black dots mean average, red dots mean great. The biggest move of the offseason, Mookie Betts going to the Dodgers. What are your thoughts on Bellinger and Betts playing on the same team? <laughs> well, I mean... Uh, it's pretty good for the Dodgers, I would say. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, those are two of just, you know, the most uh, talented players in the game, talented and, and most productive. Um, you know, and you're mentioning uh, what you were just mentioning with, with Baseball Savant. Um, you know, we have all of the player pages on, on Baseball Savant have, you know, these these bars that are basically, um, you know, measuring a, a player's tools, um, you know, things like uh, their running speed, how hard they hit the ball, uh, things like that. And both of those guys you mentioned, uh, Bellinger and Betts, are basically about as good as you can get on all of those things. So um, they're both really rare, special talents. And now to have both of them in the same outfield uh, is pretty astonishing. Well, I can tell you, Andrew, that uh, Baseball Savant, I mean, Gary, I know you'll agree with this, it's changed the way that we prepare for a broadcast, mm-hmm. right? I mean, like Fangraphs and uh, Baseball Reference Play Index are fantastic, and they serve a great role uh, for people who research the game on a regular basis. But the tools that Baseball Savant has, and I, maybe maybe I'm just getting more used to it over time, or maybe it actually has become even more user-friendly, but I, I feel like it's it's easier than ever to navigate your way through some of those search engines and uh, and uh, pages on Baseball Savant. It's, it's a phenomenal resource. And, uh, Andrew, we appreciate all, all your efforts in helping to bring some of those numbers to life for everybody on MLB.com, and we really appreciate you joining us here tonight on The Hot Stove. Yeah, it was great speaking with you. There is Andrew Simon, who joins us from MLB.com, researcher and writer, who uh, does a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot with StatCast data, and we're glad that he does. Well, hey, uh, single-game tickets are on sale now, which means you can purchase seats of some of the biggest games of the 2020 season, including opening day. Series against the Yankees, the Phillies, and the World Series champion Nationals will be coming to town as well. Plus, more fireworks shows than ever before. You can swing by Mariners.com to pick up your tickets. Well, that is uh, about it for the first hour here of the Hot Stove. Tom Murphy, Tim Laker, Andrew Simon, you just heard from all joining us in hour number one. Hard to believe, but position players reported yesterday to Peoria. First game is on Saturday, opening day against the Rangers at T-Mobile Park on March 26th. Am I the only one that checks the Baseball Savant game feed every day just uh, out of habit? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is. Very sorry you have nothing else going on. You have children. You know You know you have children, Gary. What? Yeah, exactly. The game feed is great, though. <laughs> it's great. If you're into exit velocity, I would check that out if you're like Gary. Uh, hey, second hour is right around the corner. Shannon Dreher will join us from Arizona. Also be joined by Joe Doyle, who is a contributor to Baseball America and Lookout Landing as well. We'll hear from Art Warren. All that straight ahead in the second hour after this timeout.